0: Father, we we pray that you would give us understanding. We don't have all the solutions. We know that you do. If we just follow your word, if we pay attention to it, we know that we can do good not only for ourselves, not only for our children and our spouses, but for society in general. And Father, we know that there is an attack on our society, on our culture, on the family, on what it is to be a man or a woman. And we ask that you would bring clarity for us, that we'd be able to understand in a lucid fashion, just as clear as crystal, what your will is for husbands and wives and children and employers and employees. All of these things, Lord, are so important, and it focuses, we understand, Lord, according to your word around the family. And we ask that you would help us to really apprehend the information you have for us in Jesus' name. One other thing here, a couple of years ago, there was a poll taken about the 10 issues facing today's families and the top 10, here are the top 10. The first one, and this was taken by Lifeway. It was a research organization. It, I believe it's a, a Christian research organization. And the number one concern that they took This information from 2,000 people was the anti-Christian culture that was in development. Second thing was divorce. Third thing was busyness. Fourth thing was absent father figure. Fifth thing was lack of discipline. Sixth, financial pressures. Seven, lack of communication. Eight, negative media influences. Nine, balance of work and family. And ten, materialism. That is what some 2,000 Christians thought were the top 10 things that we need to worry about. And I think they got it right with the first one is the anti-Christian culture. Because those things which God created like marriage and family, they are under assault. And so if we go to Colossians, we left off in chapter 3 verse 18 i want to read this to you here what the lord tells us the wives and the husbands and the children and the employers and the employees it's listed as slaves and masters but for us it's employers and employees what god tells us about these roles and what these roles are supposed to look like and verse 18 says Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not embitter your children or they will become discouraged. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything and do it not only when their eye is on you and to win their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence of the Lord or for the Lord verse 23 whatever you do work at it with all your heart as working for the lord not for men since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the lord as a reward it is the lord christ excuse me you are serving anyone who does wrong will be repaid for his wrong and there is no favoritism and that would apply all the way back to verse 18 there So if we do right, we're going to be rewarded. If we do wrong, well, we're going to suffer the consequences or lack of reward. And there is an assumption, there is a predicate that is intrinsic in these passages here, in these verses, that it is an intact nuclear family, father, mother, children. And in the Old Testament, it would have included the servants as well, because the servants lived in the same household. If you recall, Abraham... Abraham had a servant named Eliezer, and Abraham cried out to the Lord in verse uh, 2 and 3 of chapter 15. This is what he says, O sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless, and the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus? And Abram said... You have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. So servants in the household were really part of the family. They they worked in the dynamic of the family, of the father, of the wife or the mother, and the children. Oftentimes the servants would just be in that surrogate position of a father or a mother as well. They were always doing the will of the father or mother. So in that context, this would apply. Even the, I don't know how many people I've employed over the years, but it's been dozens and dozens, if not over a 100, maybe 200 over the years that I've been in business. And during that time, there have been a few that... uh, would attend family events or we would go to meals with. We would sit down, we'd have a meal, and we'd and enjoy each other. We'd have conversations, and it's not like it was back then where they would live with us, but even today, there in, in wealthier households, there are servants that live in the household and they end up receiving an inheritance from the families. I've worked in some wealthy neighborhoods, and I know this to be the case by personal uh, experience out there. And so what we want to focus on are these particular roles, the wives, the husbands, the children, those who are fathers, the slaves and the masters or the employers and the employees. And so the big one, and we've covered this before. The last time I covered this was in 2007. It was a long time ago when we went through Colossians. But, of course, the first verse there, verse 18, says, Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting to the Lord. Now, for most women in this culture that have been raised in this culture not so much uh, in the biblical worldview inside of a church they would see this and say wives submit to your husbands are we not equal? are there not laws in the book that make us all equal? yes, we are all equal in essence we are all human beings in essence there is neither Jew nor Greek slave nor free Scythian, barbarian all are one in equal level to the Lord we know that we have covered this several times but this idea of the world would say it's almost like you're cussing in my ear if you're a woman raised in this culture that says i have to be submissive to my husband what is that women and men are built differently just physiologically men have wider shoulders why to bear burdens well and men have narrower hips why to be faster you know the swimming thing with I forget the the guy 's name who became a woman that 's swimming and the controversy and you know how women and I feel for women their sports are being wiped out because these transgender men are coming in I think it 's just unfair it 's not right they 're biologically men, but yet they 're getting rewarded and it 's just like they 're blowing the doors off of these records in all sports because they have the male. Uh, hormones on the inside and even after they go on female hormone therapy after a year it doesn't change the strength and vice versa with the women it doesn't really change the amount of strength and, and so that taking place this idea that we are uh, uh, taking the men and the women and they're redefining the roles in our culture it's not supposed to be that we We need to be back in the worldview that God gave us—the biblical one. Ephesians five twenty-two, and of course, if you're going to look at marriages and wives and husbands and those types of things, there are certain portions of Scripture that you go to—Colossians chapter three, Ephesians chapter five, First Corinthians chapter seven. You look at that, and then you also look at the marriages through the scriptures from the Old Testament, Abraham and Sarah, all the way up to the bride of Christ in the book of Revelation. You go through all of that stuff to try to get an idea. Well, what's the wife supposed to be like and what's the husband supposed to be like? So Ephesians five twenty-two through 24 says, again, Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church's body, of which he is the Savior. Now, as the church submit to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in some things. Of course it doesn't say some things it says everything and and just that i don't like to submit to everything if the government tells me to do something that i don't want to do i don't want to submit to that i i don't want to succumb to what the government has to say and i can understand why wives wouldn't want to submit to a man that maybe is harsh i get that that For me, that's untenable. It's how can you do that, put her under that type of pressure? It would be very difficult. But as we would submit to Christ, would you submit to Christ in everything? I would hope you would say, yes, I would submit to Christ in everything. Well, that's how wives are supposed to submit to their husbands. And for our flesh, we just say, I don't like this. This shouldn't be. Even the men that are being raised today are being raised in such a fashion, well, we should be submissive to the women as well. It's not we're not submissive. You know, the Bible gives the exhortation to men, which we'll get into, that they're not to be harsh. Why? Because their natural bent is to be harsh. Their natural bent is to snap at the woman or at the wife. And the wife, her natural reaction either is to fight, to cry, to withdraw, all of these things. Why? Because the husband... As defined by God and made by God is more dominant, more strong he doesn 't let the emotion get in the way where the women they let the emotion get in the way, and not that that 's a bad thing because they 're created emotional creatures, and I think that 's good. I would rather have my wife, the emotional uh, person in the couple rather than me, just breaking down every single time something happened. Not that Patty does that, but you understand what i 'm talking about and, and she 's She's pretty strong. By the way, just as a side note, Patty was prophesied over once, and she is as tough as nails. She's like a nail driven in a piece of wood. You know, it's like, it's just, she has determination. She keeps me in line, you know, slaps me. No, I'm just kidding. But you get the idea. Wives and husbands, the way that they're supposed to act, we have different defined roles. First Peter chapter 3 is another place that we can go to to find out the role of wives and husbands. Those wives in the same way be submissive? In this word submissive, the tense it's delivered in is continually be submitting to your husband. <clears throat> to your husband so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives. When they see the purity and reverence of your lives, your beauty should not come from outward adornments such as braided hair and wearing of gold Jewelry and fine clothes, not that this is a prohibition. I like a little jewelry. I like a few fine clothes. I like the hair uh, being taken care of and not in a mat and those types of things. And, and it just goes on down in verse 6 of that same chapter. It says, like Sarah who obeyed Abraham and called him her master. Now, today, if you did that, you would be ridiculed, uh Wives. Uh, and or called him Lord. Uh, that's also one of the translations that's there. But you get the idea uh, in this submission. It's, it means to arrange under, to subordinate, to submit to one's control, to obey, to yield to one's admonition or advice, to submit to one's control. And that's hard. But that's the biblical definition. Now, all of this cannot take place the way God wants it to unless the husband dies for the wife it is predicated on the husband doing his part first and then the wife can be responsible to God for what she does or doesn't do in relationship to her husband so it begins with the husband but digressing a little bit here this idea of submission, it doesn't imply inferiority that I already expressed. Neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female. You're all one in Christ Jesus. Galatians 3.28 and 1 Peter 3.7 says the same thing. Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as a weaker partner. Let's see if the women are weaker. God said it there. but I, I see these advertisements for programs where these women are just pummeling men. And then I see, you know, some of these millennial websites, they they post these memes and stuff, and these young women think that they can just go up and punch a guy. I I can't tell you how many of those I've seen. Where these young women, they just become brazen. And they, they go right up to these young men, same age, and they try to punch them in the face. And I see some of these guys, they just take it. They just go back and forth and they take it. And then they don't take it. And they turn around, one punch... And the girls are on the ground. I saw this one where this young man, a young woman was coming up just harassing this guy, just punching him left and right. All he did was take her and do a body slam. Grabbed her, slammed her to the ground. He was on top of her. And I go, oh, this is not good. And she was knocked out. That was it and he got up and he says, what you, you know you're not going to stand and i see this idea our culture is teaching these women that you can be just as strong as men and it is a lie it it can't happen physiologically but they're not inferior matter of fact i think it's the man's job to elevate the women and christianity has done that what do you think about the women who are in islam They are nothing more than chattel. They are nothing more than a servant. And they can be killed even for dating the wrong person. It's called an honor killing. The women are degraded. Uh, Islam, I'm not ashamed to say it, is misogynistic. They hate women. They do not treat them with respect. As well as the caste system in India under Hinduism and Buddhism. Same thing happens there. Whether it's a monotheistic religion or a polytheistic religion, women have always been put down. It is Christ that has elevated the women, and it is the man's job, whether a husband, father, or just a man who is single, to elevate the woman, to protect the women. That is the job. When that happens, the women can lovingly submit to the men and their protection and their oversight. That's how God sets it up. It doesn't mean that a woman is inferior just because she is to submit. And submission does not imply slavery. It is obedience to God and not so much to the husband. Just like the husband, when he loves his wife, it's because he's obedient to God and not being overlorded by the society or his wife. Now, submission can only be maintained in the context of love. And I've already given you those contexts where the husband is supposed to love the wife and die for the wife and give his life for the wife just as Christ did for the church. And of course, the wife's body does not belong to herself and she is supposed to not withhold herself physically from the husband. And that can be difficult as well because sometimes you you get a husband who's a little more frisky and uh, a wife that is not so much and you have conflict there. And there's ways to resolve that and some men uh, they can be oversexed some of those men would be 19 years old uh, 20 years old 21 years old and some could be 60 or 70 years old it's endemic it's pandemic it's what the male psyche is constructed to do Uh, God set it up to where the man is a pursuer He pursues women. And if he had his way, he would pursue multiple women as he could. It wouldn't matter. And that's what drives him. The testosterone, the makeup of the brain, all of that is what makes up the human race. And God tells us, uh, the men in the human race, God tells us as men, we are to bring that under control. We are to steady that. We are to focus on one woman for life That is it. And that's God's design. And he doesn't want us to have several wives. Remember, this didn't work out so well for Solomon. It it caused him to become... he, He became an apostate at the end of his life, turned away from God... And he turned towards sacrificing even kids, uh, the the Baals. I don't know if he did it personally, but he allowed them to be in the kingdom of Israel, and because of that, there was judgment that came upon the kingdom. So it doesn't work. One woman is enough for any man, and any man one wife is enough for you. Uh, you know, we we know that this is the way that God has set it up. Now. A wife is not to seek an end to a marriage. In First Corinthians 7, verse 10, you're not fulfilling my needs. This is why when I teach the youth, I tell them, choose wisely. Make sure you know the relationships you're getting into. And I will sit down and I'll give them a list of things. And in the past... I can remember some of the young women, they're writing down this list, like, okay, this is what I'm supposed to look for, and don't marry a missionary project, you know, to, don't, don't marry somebody who starts going to church just because you're going to church, because you know what he wants. Uh, he wants you. And, and so he's going to do anything you want. And all men before they get married, they're on good behavior. And I, I tell my granddaughters that. They're always on good behavior. You could ask them to eat dirt and they would eat dirt if you wanted to. They, they would do anything for you because they are enamored. They are in love or in lust with you. And and they want you for themselves. And they're very jealous over that. and And so when they marry, I give them these lists, and they write them down, and I have seen how this has turned out for their benefit, and some, they ignored it. And because they ignored it, it has turned out for their detriment, these young ladies who are in there, and some of the young men as well. They, they don't follow the biblical counsel. It's not my counsel, it's the biblical counsel. And so First Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10 it says to the married, I give this command, not I, but the Lord, a wife must not separate from her husband, but if she does, she must remain unmarried or else be reconciled to her husband. And that seems tough, that seems hard, and there are exceptions to this that are in scripture, but God wanted to lay down the rule. The ideal, the perfect, of course, we don't live in an ideal and perfect world, is when you get married, that's it, one man, one woman, for life, till you die, till death do you part. And that's what you do when you take your vows. And God holds us accountable for keeping those vows. <clears throat> and I, I know that since men have not been taught how to be men, how to lead, at least that's where the culture is going, marriages in the future, even in Christian marriages, I think they're going to have a tough go. Because the culture is trying to define who we're supposed to be and the culture eventually makes its way inside the church and the role of men inside the church is going to be watered down. It's not going to be elevated to the same point that it once was. And so a couple of things that I would give you, um, maybe if you uh, were taking notes or something, just counsel. This would be counsel that I'd give to any couple. Uh, Avoid ordering your husband around. That's not a good idea. Now, women, you know how to make a request without being demanding. Honey... You laugh, you laugh, because you know, and and, or she comes up from behind and she grabs your shoulders, sweetheart, and then she makes her request, that type of thing. And the guy is much more agreeable. Fine, you know, he he was busy, he was focused, because guys focus on one thing at a time. He was focused, and that took his focus off of what he was doing, and so it shifted his focus. And women can become very skilled in doing this. And that's why the Bible says the older women are to teach the younger women how to love their husbands. Because the the younger women because of the fall, they just want to rule the husbands. I got him now, he's mine, and he's going to do my will. And it doesn't work that way, and the husband ends up dominating over the wife, and then she becomes unhappy. You're not meeting my needs anymore, and it's it's just a vicious cycle that goes around. So, uh, women, if you could avoid ordering your husband around, that would be good. Avoid talking to your husband condescendingly. Oh, you're so weak. You are worthless. Could you imagine saying that to man? One thing that a man needs is R E S P C T. I think there's a song about that. And he needs that even, I think, more so than love. But love, it's close second if it's not equal to, but certainly respect. That's how high respect is. And the wife has to respect. She needs to respect her husband. If she does, she will be happy, just happy as a clam in its shell. She will be so satisfied If the husband is following the Lord, if she does this particular thing, if she does not speak to him condescendingly. And also, always consult your husband before making decisions that affect the family or the home. Don't just go do something without the husband knowing. At least inform him. Sometimes the husband will just say, fine, whatever. Hey, you have freedom to do whatever. Even in the Old Testament talked about this. That, for instance, if a daughter made a decision, made a vow... And, and, and her husband, or this woman, her husband heard about it and didn't say anything, the vow stands. But if the husband says, no, I don't think that's a good idea, then the vow doesn't stand. And, and so the woman needs to be able to go to the husband for counsel and approval on things that would affect the family, whether in a beneficial way or in an adverse way, because he may need some understanding, because sometimes he doesn't have understanding in a particular area that you might and a wife should avoid talking bad about her husband to her parents and other women and friends and children and other family members. Never talk bad about your husband. And that's just, that goes along with uh, the book of Ephesians. Let no unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for the building up of others according to their need that it may benefit those who listen. And, and if you do that, it is going to be beneficial to you inside of your household and for your husband and for your children and the opposite of that is regularly speak well of your husband to others find something to praise him for even to him say thank you for that that's done so well and because that engenders respect which he needs to do what he needs to under the auspices or the the care of the lord and let everyone know how much you love and respect your husband If you do that, if you speak well of him, if you take care of him by your words, you can do so much with your words, you will have a wonderful existence with your husband. And of course, wives are to love their husbands, Titus. 2.4 Two four says the younger women are to love their husbands and children and be self-controlled, pure, busy at home, to be kind, to be subject to their husbands so that no one may malign the word of God. So if they're not subject to their husbands, the word of God can be maligned. That is the motivation. If we love Jesus, we want to fulfill what he has for us. <clears throat> and of course, this is the, quote, the domesticated woman that the uh, society hates, they despise caring for the house working at home uh, the keeping at home and taking care of the household affairs uh, uh, some people say well that's just being a domestic <clears throat> like in my relationship with my wife we have an agreement I work myself to death she takes care of the home that, that's the way it works and it works well uh, and we complement each other I bring home the money and give it almost all to her or I spend it on her that's the way it's supposed to happen I I'm supposed to like Christ give up my life for her and for the kids and she's happy she can order anything she wants on Amazon it's not a problem for her and I don't say you order something more and the only thing I say is how many boxes are we going to have in this garage you know and you got to cut them up and put them away but She's free to do what she wants. She's a master at taking care of the household. And that's what women are supposed to do. And the men are supposed to die in order for the women to have that privilege. That's the way it's supposed to work. And the wife is spiritually equal or even superior to the husband. And positionally, she is subordinate to him, just as Christ is equal to the father in essence, but he is subordinate to the father. That's how it's supposed to work. That's our model. The world would say... Put away that model. We don't believe in the Bible. We don't believe that it's true. It's just like they say, ah, oh, the Ten Commandments, that's not for today. That's just ten suggestions. No, if, if you do this, you will so benefit your life personally as a woman. You'll benefit the life of your husband, benefit the life of your kids, benefit the life in your church because you'll teach others, older ladies will teach the younger ladies how to love their husbands, how to love their children, and then it will benefit the nation. And that is the foundation of a good nation. And if you take away the wife in that in that uh, equation, it is going to crumble, I guarantee you. Then there's the biblical role of the husband. I bet women couldn't wait for this one to come along. These husbands need to know what they're supposed to do. And I'm not going to pull any punches here. They're to love their wives. Back in verse 19 of Colossians chapter 3, Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. I've already told you, that's the natural bent. Ever been to a job site? <clears throat> now, there, I've been on several job sites, whether you have the superintendent or you have the foreman. And most of the time in today's day and age, they try to just give orders. That's what their job is. They give orders and the employees are supposed to say right away boss you know and i think it's it's uh, i wouldn't use this word normally cute but if you walk into home depot or i go into the uh, supply houses things like that to get what i need and the guy who's behind the counter he'll go hey boss what's up it's like wow that's that's an affirmation you know that's a word of encouragement that's like I'm here to help you and that's good and that's how employees should act with the employers or the foreman or the superintendents that are there but if the superintendent or the foreman if he's in the world a lot of times it just turns into a barking session you know get this what are you guys doing over there get up off the ground how long is your lunch break anyhow do you, what do you think this is the club med you get and they look at their watch and you know they they're on a deadline they have to get things done for the main contractor the owner who is out there and if they get too harsh then you discourage the employees and and, and so these husbands they're not supposed to be harsh like that and that's the natural bet just watch children watch young boys young boys as they get together you know, girls, they do things and, and they, they talk to each other. I had three daughters and one son. And the, the girls, they'd chit-chat and have tea and I'd sit down and have tea and, you know, do all that kind of stuff. And they'd have their dollies and my daughter still has Barbies I, I, and she's in her 30s. And I, I had the box and I gave her the Barbies and she, oh, these are a treasure, you know, she holds on to those. For men, it's tools, We have tools and we we pass those on and and we learn to work with our hands and we're supposed to be those men who are out there and we're not supposed to be harsh and we're to train up our children, our men, our boys to be those men as well and yet to be loving. Have a hard side that's determined and a soft side that is loving. And, And if we're doing that, of course, you understand the benefits. And... There's a whole section in Ephesians 5:25 talks about the care that the husband is supposed to have over the woman. It starts with loving your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word. And so it's the husband's job to take care of the wife spiritually and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish but holy and blameless. Of course, he shifts here to talk about the bride of Christ with jesus christ and that relationship that are there uh it says in the same way husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies he who loves his wife loves himself after all no one over, ever hated his own body but he feeds and cares for it just as christ does the church for we are members of his body and so we have the example there for the men now husbands are not to be harsh with their wives and we understand this Colossians 319 as i just said and this would mean men never I'm going to use this phrase. Never tell your wife to shut up. Never, ever do that. If you've done that, you need to go back and say, I apologize. I ask for your forgiveness for every speaking to you in such harsh terms. Don't ever say to your wife, ever, you're stupid. Never say that. She's probably smarter than you by tenfold. and and in your pride as a man and by the way we're subject to this this is our nature to do things like this and we should never give in to the flesh in that manner or being harsh like don't bother me and it's the way you say that it's not just the words it's the inflection it's the tone it's the tenor of your voice or if a Christian man wants to say I'm the head of the household listen to me you need to submit if you say you need to submit you've lost all authority in the eyes of your wife because all you're going to do if she has even the slightest peach fuzz hair on the back of her neck it's going to stand up and she is not going to approve of you and she's going to walk away and then you're going to ask her later what's wrong she's going to say nothing She's going to say nothing is wrong whatsoever. And you're going to have this conflict and it's going to be a two or three day med or a week mad, and if you never readdress it, she's going to end up saying at some point in the future because she can't help herself, well, the last time you did this, and of course love doesn't keep track of wrongs committed against it, but she will. She'll remember that. She has a long memory. Not that she looks like an elephant, but she has a memory like an elephant. That, that will stick in her mind that will forever change her if you speak to her in such terms. And these offenses can be repeated over and over. A man's job is to try as best he can to make a happy life for his wife. That, Besides worshiping God and serving him... That is his second priority. And there is nothing between worshiping God and his wife. No hobby, no job, no relationship. (laughs) I just saw another video. You know, I I like keeping up with the culture. And and the younger, the 20s something, and the the pre-20s, the late teens, saw this guy, you know those um, doorbells that have the video on them? And they have a microphone This guy got married and he has a new wife. Well, his best bud that he always did things with is upset about that and so he comes to his house and it must have been a dozen times showed him coming to the door ringing the door come on man it's friday night let's go out to the bar and he had a beer in his hand he's ringing the doorbell he goes i know your wife is in there and a couple of times he would come inebriated to the doorbell and i hate your wife come on man you need to come on. and he would do this over and over and he'd be outside and he goes Oh and he'd have halloween things set up and he goes man halloween's over and he'd destroy the little things that are right there and and then he'd bring over a whole slew of guys, hey man, we're here to watch the game. And it would be at night, and four guys would be coming in and open up the door and get in the house. And of course, the guy starts saying, My wife hates you, you know, and, and say that back to him, just trying to ruin the marriage. And, and the guy was nuts. He was not supposed to have that relationship with this guy who was newly married to this woman. Nothing comes between that relationship, but he was trying to impose himself in that relationship. So a man's job is to try to make his wife happy. If you do, you've heard the phrase. Happy wife, happy life. You know, you, you will have a pleasant existence if you focus on that. Even scripture tells us that a happy heart. You know, a happy heart is a good thing. Proverbs fifteen thirteen. A happy heart makes the face cheerful, but a heartache crushes the spirit. And so, it, when you come home, if your wife has been crushed in her spirit by the way you talk to her, if you walk home, you've had a hard day, and she looks at you and she has a scowl instead of a smile you're oh, what now and then you're going to have to work twice as hard to make sure your life your wife is happy so you can have a happy life now a husband is called to lead the family Ephesians 5:23 which I've already read for the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church he's the one that's responsible for the final decisions that take place in the household God is going to turn to him in, in the judgment or the reward and turn to the man and say, why'd you do this? And the guy can't say, the woman that you gave me. Remember the guy who said that? It didn't work. That was Adam. It was the woman you gave me. Oh, no, 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 no. Remember, the woman was deceived, but Adam was accredited with the fall. It was Adam's fault because he was not making the final decisions. And where was he when she was eating that fruit? Huh? You think he was somewhere else? No. He wasn't. He was right there. Are you kidding? A woman that looked like Eve, he would have been right there the whole time. That's the way he was built. And and, and so uh, this problem of thinking you can just shove off the responsibility. Remember, choose wisely. If you choose wisely, you don't have to shove off the responsibility. But even Paul said, if you get married, you're going to have trouble. And he said, remain single. I want to spare you the trouble. But because of men and the way that they are made, they don't want to be spared the trouble. I often ask that uh, when I do marriage ceremonies. I quote that verse, and I turn to the man, and I said, do you want to be spared? And, of course, he says, no. And so we go ahead with the marriage ceremony, and a husband must love, respect, and be considerate towards their wives as the weaker partner, as I've already read in First Peter chapter 3, verse 7. And, you know, the women, they have a need, an ingrained need, it's part of their DNA, to be loved. And scripture talks about this. Proverbs 30, verse 21 through 23, it says, Under three things the earth trembles, under four it cannot bear up. It means these things are terrible. These things are not good. These things are onerous. These things are egregious. Verse 22 says, A servant who becomes king, a fool who is full of food, an unloved woman, who is married and a maid servant who displaces her mistress the third thing there an unloved woman who is married that is something that is a travesty in the world that a woman is married and she does not feel loved and for uh, couples couples should not bicker quarrel squabble argue have words back and forth <clears throat> i don't think that there's anyone that has escaped this Every marriage will go through this. This is why Paul says, hey, if you get married, you're going to have trouble. You're going to have squabbles. You're going to have quarrels. You're going to bicker. Well, you, you know, you go back and forth. You do that ping pong thing. It's fun to do it with scripture too. You do the scripture back and forth. Wives submit to your husband. Husbands love your wives. You know, you go back and forth like that. And, and you can get into these arguments. And it's going to happen. But you need to play fair. Like... Put the line of the tongue behind the gate of the teeth. Make sure you just don't open up and criticize and berate and belittle. Either one, the husband or the wife. And and we know that we're to do everything without complaining or arguing. That means be in a marriage without complaining or arguing. Never say, I don't know why I got married. Never say that. You're the one that made the choice, whether it's the woman or the man. You're the one that said, yes, I do, I will. And so act according to the words that you spoke. Because God will say, why didn't you act according to the words that you spoke? You want to be able to say, I did what you asked me to do, Lord. And this, of course, is the biblical worldview of how a husband and a wife are supposed to work together. And I'll remind you of James chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. The reason we fight and quarrel is because we want something and we're not getting it. And so whenever you get into a confrontation, uh, some type of squabble, some type of quarrel, ask yourself, am I not getting something and that's why I'm fighting? And you might say, well, I deserve this. I'm supposed to get this. The husband would say, I'm supposed to get respect, and I'm not getting the respect. And the woman could say, I'm supposed to be loved, and I'm not being loved. You know, there are so many justifications for our behavior, and God says, just stop it. I, I can't tell you how many times I used to referee wrestling. And I had the shirt and everything because I used to wrestle and later I refereed it. And it was fun. It was good. But I had this thing called a whistle. And I would put that whistle in my mouth and it had a little rubber thing on it to keep from biting my teeth and, you know, just messing things up. <clears throat> and when there was an infraction, when there was an illegal move, I would blow the whistle and they would stop. That was the signal to stop. Sometimes when I have counseled with couples, I've had to blow the whistle. I don't actually pull it out and blow it. I go, stop, because they're just going at each other. They can't help themselves. And the Lord says we're not supposed to do that. And that requires self-control. And so I've done the husbands and the wives, and they're still the children and the fathers, and the employers, and the employees, and we're going to pick this up next week, but my encouragement to you as couples, if you find yourself in error, repent. Just say, you know, it wasn't good that I was doing that. If you find that you've been harsh as a man, ask for forgiveness for your wife. If you find that as a wife you have not been respectful and loving towards your husband, just start doing that and express to him how much you appreciate him and how much you respect him. If you do this and you also communicate it to the next generation that this is how you're supposed to live your life as a husband or a wife, as I said previously, it will benefit them, it will benefit the children, and it will benefit us as a nation, we as a people. Lord willing, we'll be able to accomplish it with his help. Let's pray. Father, we, we thank you. There's so much wisdom in your word just help us by the prompting of your spirit to work at it, to work at following your instruction. For we know it returns in blessing to us. Help us to pay attention to the long road and not the short-term gains that we might receive from sacrifice or the lack of it, Lord. So, Father, just empower us more to do your will. In Jesus' name. And the church said, Please stand.